Attention, all residents of Elwood City. This is an emergency broadcast. Okay, just kidding. It's Lucas here, your buddy, your pal. Uh, I'm just here to remind you that if you want to help us out here at Elwood City Limits, uh, there's a couple of ways. Of course, there's, you know, donating to the Patreon. But another huge way that helps us is uh, nominating us for the Coast Best of Halifax Award. See, Elwood City Limits is a Halifax podcast, and one of the ways that we get recognition is in the annual Coast Awards. Last year, we were nominated, and we'd love to be nominated again. It's really simple. All you have to do is go to bestofhalifax.com, scroll down to the News and Media section, and then under Podcast, write down Elwood City Limits. And that supports us here as a podcast. Okay, that, that that's the end of the emergency broadcast. Well, I guess we should be calling you Deep Dish Mancini, Lucas Deep Dish Mancini, <laughs> because because I, the winds of Chicago have borne us a podcast host. That's right. I, I've returned from the Windy City. Uh, you know, Mayor Michael Jordan gave me the key to, uh, uh, you know, Bluestown, USA, uh, Chicago, baby. Uh, a hell of a town, but I'm back. The uh, the the ocean was a calling, and I have returned. You you, you resisted the, you resisted the siren call of uh, Wrigley Field and the Bears and uh, the, the the Midwest. Mm. Yes, Lake Michigan. Uh, I I didn't. I did. It's listen. Chicago had a blast, lovely time, but you know. It's nothing like that. Sea air, baby. So, uh, so how? So, what did you get up to in uh, Chicago? Oh, I saw a White Sox game. I went to go see Hamilton. Ooh. Uh, I uh, uh, went to see the uh, the Chicago Institute of Art, which is the museum from Ferris Bueller, mm. uh, which was probably my favorite part of the whole trip. It was an incredible art museum. I almost was trampled. Whoa. Uh, because I went to the Navy Pier fireworks with my sister, and uh, there was a stampede, and we uh, had to run from hundreds of people, which was a little harrowing. Um, but we've made it out on the other end alive. So I, I, I did uh, see that you uh, took a picture the uh, the Cameron picture at uh, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off uh, Cameron picture. Oh, of course, of course, they have to homage. One of the great cinematic characters, Cameron. My man. Um, from Ferris and, okay, and Hamilton. Tell me about what it was like to see Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton. So, of course, it's it's the Chicago production, right? So it's nobody from the original cast or anything. But still, um, uh, just listening to the album, it truly doesn't do it justice because it is quite the production from a, uh, uh, you know, f- from a, a, a stage production aspect of, like, they have the big rotating floor in the middle and all the dancing and stuff really adds to the whole experience. There was, uh, you know, there was little girl, there were not even little girls. There was just girls crying in my row. Uh, there was a old lady who was like, "The acting was incredible." <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, that was that was fun as well. That was a blast. I am incredibly jealous of you because I just got to uh, sit here. I didn't have my I didn't have my co-host. I didn't have my wife. I was just sitting in my room and sweating. 
Yeah, staycation in the heat box, baby. Yeah, man. Anyway, I'm glad that you had a good time. I missed you, but uh, I'm. Aww. But uh, yeah, it's I, I, I myself want to get to Chicago sometime. And uh, and you did you did have some deep dish while you were there, right? Oh my goodness! Of course, we walked through actually torrential downpour in order to get the Uno's deep dish pizza, and it was worth Excellent. it. Excellent. I'll tell you what, though, but the best food, problematic as it is, uh, the best food we had there was Chick Fil A. I did see you at Chick Fil A, uh, which I suppose is why how they're able to stay in business despite being problematic is that the chicken is good. Yeah, I, 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 one of the one of my um, one of my goals I'll probably never get to realize is doing a fast food tour of America, Ooh. going to all the chains that I've not been able to. You know, your your Jack in the Boxes, your. I've already been to five guys, but like you know, Chick Fil A. Let me let me tell you something about Jack in a Box, Will. It's uh, it's not all that. Jack in the Box is pretty crappy. Fair enough, but I I'd really like to know for myself. You know, White Castle, um, yeah. you, Cracker Barrel, all all these, de- even even Denny's. You know, just just to say that I was there. I've already been to. Le- do you do do you remember when uh, those fast food tier lists were going around earlier this yeah. year? Yeah, I feel like you know. Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. There's also a lot of su- food sidebar discussions. You know, whenever Buster hits up the old ice cream parlor and orders something crazy, mm. uh, you know, me and you are tend to disagree, uh, or at least I'm playing devil's advocate in those situations. I'd be interested to see how hot your uh, your fast food ranking takes would be. I wonder if you'd be you'd be coming in hot with some, you know. Some some real spicy takes there. Well, I mean, spicy takes are not exactly my forte. I I'm pretty normy with a lot of things, and with the Canadian fast food that we have here, um, I think that in the end, like like I'm so normy. McDonald's is pretty high. Uh, I was just gonna say, Will. Uh, do you know what can't be beat is my good old friend uh, Rotten Ronnie and McDonald's. Those that hey. <laughs> A junior chicken? You want to talk about bang for your buck? Why? I think the junior chicken is the junior chicken, the the McDouble. That's that's why the phrase was invented. <laughs> I think that's literally the cheapest that amount of protein can get. <laughs> Love me a McDonald's double cheeseburger and a small fry. That's uh, that's some good eats. And uh, uh, Wendy's also very high because of the baconator. If the Wendy's didn't have the baconator, we it would be a whole different conversation. Anyway. I've already eaten dinner. Why am I getting hungry again? It's time to talk about an episode of Arthur here on Elwood City Limits. My name is Will Young, and that's my uh, po- my podcast co-host, Lucas Mancini. Da uh, Bears. Da Bears. I I mean, you must have you went with your was it you went with your sister? Did you? Yes, so, I did. It was a so were you, there was a crazy seat sale, and me and her was like, okay, this is like a graduation present to ourselves. It, it and you must have been just going back and forth with just you know Chicago accents and you know Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> the Blues Brothers, all that kind of stuff. The Bears. I, I mean, uh, Chicago is one of those accents where literally the only thing I can like say in a Chicago accent is Chicago. So I, 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 it's pretty limiting in that mm. sense. But the thing is, I, you know, you go to the area where all the hotels are and stuff, and it's pretty much just all tourists. So you get a lot of other types of Americans. Uh, for instance, when we were at Uno Pizza, we met a gentleman from San Antonio. Ooh. Uh, and we got to talking about basketball. And he was like, y'all think Kawhi's going to stay? And I was like, no, I, I think he's going to the Clippers, unfortunately. And you were Which I was, you were right. I was right. Yeah. 
as Toronto as, as Toronto mourns and uh, moves on from mourning to anger. Oh no, no. They once you once you get a ch- you get us a championship, you can't be angry. Anybody who's angry about that is uh uh I think misguided. Mm. It's now it's time to rebuild, Will. It's a new beginning. What if we traded for Russell Westbrook or something. That'd be crazy. Onward and upward. Uh, Good to see you're keeping your head up. Uh, Yeah, we're going to get into this episode of Arthur in just a moment. Uh, Of course, we always like to start off an episode by digging into our mailbag. If you'd like your email read on the air, you can just send it to Elwood City... Oh my god, I forgot the name of my... ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. I had to... Yep, just had to make sure... I've been doing this for 100 episodes, uh, but never too late for a brain fart. Uh, we have only one this week. It's pretty light mail bag after our uh, filibuster episode. And if you missed that, uh, just become a patron over at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, from Lion Dog ZXA wants to talk about pick a car, any car, which we talked about a few episodes ago. They say, I liked the episode when I was younger, but when I rewatched it, I was rather disappointed. I wish the episode focused on the theme of things changing. Perhaps having the family car actually break down. After Arthur tries everything he can to preserve the vehicle, he realizes there's nothing he can do, and his family takes one last drive in the car. Minor fan fiction aside, at least the episode will always have Joe the mechanic. Moving over to Buster's Amish mismatch. Buster constantly saying it's not the Amish way. Reminded me of Anakin in Star Wars Episode Three saying, It's not the <laughs> Jedi way, which got a chuckle out of me. That's pretty good. Um, I've also got a question not related to Arthur. Happy Canada Day. What are the traditions of the holiday? Are there any events or foods that are related to it? Thanks for the podcast. Have a wonderful day. That's Lion Dog ZXA. So, can- well, be- before we answer the Canada Day question, I just want to say yeah. uh, it's interesting that Lion Dog talked about. In Pick a Car, Any Car, the possibility of them, you know, the car breaking down and Arthur just kind of having to deal with the change. Uh, I didn't say it at the time of the episode, but I actually totally agree with Lion Dog's point. I think that would actually be an improvement uh, and sort of because, again, the episode kind of has a deus ex machina where it's like, oh, everything's fixed and resets at the end. But I think it would have been an interesting uh, and more sort of mature angle to take with having sort of. Uh, Arthur having to deal with the change. That being said, we wouldn't have gotten the car talk guys, which is really the highlight of the episode. Mm-hmm. And you can only kind of get so, um, I guess, sentimental and uh, even even close to dark on a on a children's TV show. So maybe if this was a uh, not on public television, we could have something like that. Uh, yeah. So Canada Day, in case you're not aware, was celebrated on July 1st, just a few days before Independence Day in the United States, and that is the recognized birthday of our nation. And in terms of traditions, Lucas, the only thing that I know is that, like, Canada Day... Someone gets stabbed at the... <laughs> The, in downtown Dartmouth yeah. <laughs> every year after the fireworks. That's Actually, we broke tradition this year. This was like the first year in three years no one got stabbed. So we get, uh, Put a big one next to the stab- yeah. <laughs> stabbings of downtown <laughs> the, Dartmouth. The, one year. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, yeah, the year since someone's been stabbed by Canada Day sign. Uh, um, so fireworks are a big thing, and there's usually, at least in our neck of the woods, there's a lot of like community activities, especially aimed towards towards kids uh i know that halifax also has a rib fest which is around that time as well uh people wear red and blue red, red and, excuse me red and blue that's the sorry the chicago seeping <laughs> in no people people wear red and yep. white 
there's not really it's not like people are walking around being like oh yeah i gotta get the putin bud uh it's it's not really uh there's not that much canadiana Mm. um I'm trying to think. Uh, 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 my wife and I watched, uh, got drunk and watched uh, the Heritage Minutes playlist on YouTube. That was fun. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Will. That's always... Hey, I'll do that on any day we, of the week, let alone Canada We end up doing... What's your, what's your favorite one right now? Oh, my favorite one? God, ask me to pick my favorite child, why don't you? Um... Okay. I mean, the Vince Coleman for people around here, the Vince Coleman's a big oh, deal. Vince Coleman's legend, one that has to legendary, do legendary. Yeah. It's 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 the only one that has to do around here. I'm always partial to the one about Nat Taylor, the guy who like brought uh like the movie theater to Canada or like pi- Ooh, pioneered the megaplex. It. The megaplex. That's it. it He's chomping on that yeah, cigar. Like, He's like, we're gonna what, have twenty three. What about what about fifteen? Fifteen, Nat, <laughs> not fifteen. Well, what about twenty one? <laughs> I, you know what? I think I think uh, we've had this conversation maybe in one of the earlier episodes of the show, and I remember. So uh, apologies if I'm st- <laughs> if I'm kind of stepping over myself here. Uh, another great one. Well, I guess not so much which one's your favorite because people always know about the uh, you know they always know about the basketball one. I need those peach baskets back, great. and of course the Vince Excellent. Coleman one. Uh, do you have one that's underrated in your? Opinion? I think for she- I think uh, for sheer production value, the one about. Uh, uh, changing the street name to Valor Road, which was like the like the couple of like hero- heroic soldiers in World War One. Like, there's some real money put behind that one. There's like explosions, gunfire, and it's 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 inspiring. The Win- the Winnipeg Falcons one is like that too. One of the newer ones. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, really? All the because there's ones that they made it like last year, and I think that the Winnipeg Falcons ones like that, where it's about like a hockey team that went to World War One. Um, I mean, the comedic timing of John McAlee was wrong will never be beat. Like, I, I, like, I found it. The ocean. The Mississippi. Mississippi. John McAlee was... China. The sea. John McAlee China. was <laughs> That's a really good one. Um, I, I will also say the Jacques Plante one is really good. Um, the, about, uh, the, like, the, uh, the adoption of goalie masks. And uh, oh, I had I had another one in my head, but I, I think I lost it. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, hey the heritage the heritage minutes are fantastic. They're speaking like that's that is a that is a part of uh, if you're a Canadian of a certain age, you grew up with this stuff. My sister and I both did, and we can practically recite the older ones word for word. Um, they're just a really great, sometimes hammy, sometimes really cheesy. Uh, oh yeah, but, even when they're bad, they're yeah, great. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was that was part of how I celebrated my nation's birthday. And thank you for the email, LionDogZXA, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And before we get into the episode itself, Lucas, we have some new patrons to join our uh, our regular our regular crew here. New patron alert. That's right. So you're going to recognize some new names in here as I go about telling you that this episode was brought to you by Aaron DeFilippo. Uh, again, if if you need if you need to correct my pronunciation, new patrons, please let me know over on our uh, ECL Discord. Like I said, Aaron DeFilippo, Caitlin Harrington, and Chandra LeFave Bolton. We've got Christine Wong, 
Christopher Ifill, Crescent Fresh, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Emily K, Froppy, Ian Collis, Jake Bailey, Joe Sue, John Dulong, John Griswold, Cat with a K is one of our new ones as well. Kaylin Krogull, Kevin Noon, Leanne S, Light Relentless, Macy Ball, Passion Fruit Pavlova, Riley Stevens, Ross Ward, Shayna Bennett, Stella, Teresa, and William. Thanks, everybody. And now it's time for us to talk about, well, uh, we, I feel like the last couple of episodes we've been like, I think we've hit peak weird Arthur, but I don't know. I think it keeps topping itself. Uh, definitely season seven. I think we could say at this point, if it keeps up like this unequivocally is the, the quote unquote weird season yeah. of Arthur. The wild, the wild season. Uh, yeah. um, so we're talking about the episode called the world of tomorrow. <laughs> this that's right not to be confused with the 2004 uh classic sky captain uh, sky captain in the world, in the world, of, world tomorrow. of tomorrow this is right around <laughs> not, not, this is right around that time too we're in 2003 oh my goodness i didn't even think about that but you're right this predates sky captain in the world of tomorrow wow i wonder if god i don't even know who made that movie <laughs> I feel like nobody remembers that movie except for me. Sometimes I feel like I dreamt that movie up. I remember I, I remember uh, I wanted to see it and I never have. You've never seen Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow? It's like I bet it looks insane now cuz as a kid it was like, "Oh, okay, it's this movie that was completely filmed on green screen." But I'd bet a movie that was completely filmed on green screen in 2004 looks terrible now. well yeah and it's like uh, and it's like the whole gimmick was that it was meant to be a flashback to like 1950s movie serials so kind of kind of almost a little bit of the rocketeer vibe so uh the, the movie was directed by carrie conran who uh will is famous for directing sky captain and the world of tomorrow <laughs> Uh, he has literally never made anything else. He sh- he he shot his shot, man. Oh, now I kind of maybe now maybe I, if it ever shows up somewhere, I'll give it a whirl. I d- will it like I don't know if we haven't seen will, it by now. Angelina Jolie is it? Gwyneth Paltrow's in that movie, man. Gwyneth Paltrow's in that movie. Who's the, who's the lead actor? It's Jude Law. Jude Law. Yeah, that you know, 2004, Jude Law. Yeah, that makes sense. He was in everything around that time. Budget, uh, seventy million dollars. Whoa. Uh, box office, fifty-eight million dollars, baby. Ooh. I mean, it, it, you know what? It could have failed worse, I guess. If that's any, if that's any uh, consolation to the makers of Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. No, it, yeah, so take the first part of that out. It's just the world of tomorrow. Um, we actually start here with a little bit of, like, we're getting existential here. Arthur gets woken up by DW by her blowing a whistle as he's asleep. Uh, if DW did that to me, death on sight. <laughs> like, she ain't living. She ain't living to see tomorrow. Wow, DW going to get clapped for it's, such It's going to take more than a whistle to wake her up, you feel me? Oh, wow, wow, wow. I'm just saying, like, never, ever do that to anybody, least of all to me. I will kill you. <laughs> so DW wakes him up, and then Arthur is having some capital B, big, capital T thoughts in the morning. Like, he kind of slumps down in his bed is like, what if every day was exactly the same? <laughs> I'm like, Arthur, I don't know, man. 
Uh, and he's we're talking about like it's almost like it's a da- it's a David Cage video game of like what if you could make different decisions, but then uh, or like a Telltale game where it's like two different decisions, but they both end up at the same uh, uh, meeting point where. Yes, the narrative diamond, where they all go to different places, but they all end up at the same place. So it's this whole scenario where, um, where does Arthur want to go? I remember where DW wants to go. Uh, I don't know what Ar- I didn't write down where Arthur like, wants to go either because DW wants to go to the ice cow. Pades. Mary's ice cow pades, and so they flip a. Which, by the way, there is. Um, this might be an all-time episode for the puns and the wordplay. Like, if anything stands out about this episode, uh, once we get into the business later on, uh, the, the the writers were having some fun with uh, the wordplay in this one. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, they flip a coin and uh, DW calls Tails, so they go to Mary's Ice Cowpades, and Kate spits up on Arthur's breakfast. <laughs> so then he takes it back. He doesn't make the right call, but then he saves his breakfast from being spat on only to have pal barf on it. So it's it's the kind of thing of just like I, I guess we're talking about like predeterminism here. It's like no matter what you do, you're gonna end up at a certain place, no matter what. And then we see Arthur incredibly depressed at Mary's ice cowpades with like the full hat on and everything. And now that we're talking, I didn't really notice this in my notes when I was first watching the episode. But now that we're talking about this now, this. Uh, intro doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the episode. Not really, but it is like it's talking about like repeating things, and uh, a theme without the throughout the episode is that you know Biggie repeated the third grade. But in terms of like the overall plot of this episode, it's not like uh, Biggie is sort of changing time and ending up at the same point or anything like that. No. Although, I mean, yeah, it's it's tackling sort of the themes, but in a very broad way. And, uh, you know, this is almost... uh, The coin flip reminds me of that episode of Community, Remedial Chaos Theory, one of my favorites. Just they flip the coin uh, six or seven times and get a different result every time. Uh, So, yeah, that's, that's right. It is a Binky episode, as I remembered last week. Uh, because they're all going to do that field trip at the local museum where you, like, stay over for the night. I believe uh, Viv, former guest on the show, sent us an email last week or the week before about how she went on one of these to uh, her local aquarium with her school class at one point. So these... De- these I, I, by the way, speaking of local museums, I forgot to mention this, Will, because I was thinking about you when I did okay. this. Uh, so when I went to the uh, Institute of Art in Chicago... Um, they had a few paintings, and I can't believe I've forgotten this once again. Um, you know those abstract paintings that keep showing up in Arthur that we talk about all the time with the lines yeah, and the, the squares? Yeah, the black lines and the colored squares, yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So they had a couple of those, and so um, when I went through, I knew I wanted to cop some sick Institute of uh, Art uh, merch at the gift shop, and they had a uh, a T-shirt with, and I really should, now that I'm going to be donning this, really should learn the name of that painter. Um, I know he's like from a Scandinavian country, mm. but um, uh, I, I copped a, t- a, a t-shirt with the, the painting from that one Arthur episode on it. Nice. Uh, so that's, that, that, uh, that'd probably be a good fit depending on what you pair it with. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so they're going to be going to the muse, the, uh, the science museum and staying over and everybody needs to have their permission slip signed. But Binky uh, has not has hit, had his permission slip signed as he looks very down in class. It just, uh, uh, 
you know, Binky to make sure that if you don't get your uh, permission slip signed, then you won't be able to go. And he just says, is that a promise? Like, he's really bumming out about this. And he does reveal rather quickly when Arthur asks him that he's al- because he's repeated the third grade, he's already done this trip before, so he's literally seen everything. And we don't really bring up the fact that Binky was held back all that much. Like, you, you tend to forget that this is his second time in third grade. Uh, I was thinking that, too. I feel like this hasn't really been um, something that they've touched on that often. Like, I think they mentioned it early, like early in the show, back when Binky, before all of this character development with Binky, and he was sort of more of a stereotypical bully. I think they might have mentioned in passing that he got held back. Yeah. Um, but we haven't really, this is the first time it's really been addressed with any oomph in the show itself. And he takes us through exactly like, well, eventually what is going to happen, you know, them going to the giant magnet, they do the static, the static, uh, electricity exhibit, they get dinner and it's mac and cheese and boy, I mean, we love Binky. You want you want to talk about food hot? We yeah, here here comes a big man, one. Man, you're not kidding. We love Binky here, but he but he, the moment he says, "I hate mac and cheese," uh, like Jenna and I recoiled. Like, <laughs> what? You hate mac and cheese? <laughs> I know these people exist, but like, can you call that living? <laughs> I I uh, I mean, don't like some. Isn't there like some bad like like white people mac and cheese casseroles where they have like weird stuff like raisins in it or ew, something like I... ew ew that's so disgusting why would you do that oh my god that's how I oh now now I'm completely not hungry raisins and mac oh, see 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 Brussels Brussels sprouts and wrap mac and cheese that sounds good what's that. I said uh, Brussels sprouts and mac and cheese. That sounds yeah, pretty good. Yeah, okay. It's like... You, you, you know what? Oh, come on. Uh, you, That's... You, okay, you know what? Ne- next to raisins? Yeah, anything looks better than that. Holy crap. A little bit, of, little bit of truffle, truffle shavings in your mac and cheese? Well, come on. I'm a little rich boy over here. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. The difference between... African American and white mac and cheese. Must turn off your ad blocking software to view this article. Okay, no, never mind. No, no, no. Okay, no, no. Let's no, no. over my cold dead hands. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Took me out of the episode a little bit, but I- I'm able to reel myself. B- Binky's earned his keep here, so I'm willing to let him have his foibles here and there. Uh, I also really liked spotting the the doppelgangers in Ratburn's old third grade class, where it's like, oh, okay. So we, I'm glad you mentioned that. So we have our throwaway care earliest throwaway character of the week of all time, okay, which is Evil George. <laughs> yeah, G- George, if he was an elk instead of a moose or like a a yes. deer or something, and if he was out here boosting, out here straight, a uh, uh, gleebing, if you will, yeah, gleeping. Gleepin. Not gle- not gleek not to- gleekin. Gleepin. No, not gleekin. Yeah, he tries to gleep a uh <laughs> a uh, a solar like a model car that runs on solar yeah. power. And Binky remembers this as like the most exciting thing. And then it comes back out of the flashback of Evil George doing this, and Binky's like, even when it was exciting, it was boring. Cause he just stole it and then immediately got found out. <laughs> so I like that. So Binky's not at all enthused, but he ends up going to the thing anyway. Um, 
and just like he said, they do the exact same exhibits, like just basically word for word, including the mac and cheese. Um, when they arrive, there's a fun, there's a funny bit where Buster's like, "Wow, is this a new exhibit?" And Biggie's like, "That's the coat room, doofus." Oh yeah, that part was very funny. Uh, Biggie has a great line here where he goes, "I hate repeating the third grade." <laughs> Uh, but he happens upon something that wasn't there last year, the World of Tomorrow exhibit, and his mind goes crazy with all the possibilities. I always love in depictions of the future, we see here, like, Binky goes home, he has a robotic dog, everything's like, looks like the future from the that cold open uh, about Arthur's family history, you know, sit on the Barkazoid yes. and watch a datagram, that one. I also love whenever they have these, like, future uh, uh, sort of imagination sequences it's always the same like fake chemical brothers song that's playing in the background like some <laughs> pseudo like aphex twin style music but does um, not go nearly as hard <laughs> exactly um so and his dog and this is also again something that we see in a lot of like cartoons in general i love how every cartoon's vision of the future has some sort of machine that can do your homework for you Binky. Little did cartoons know that homework would become obsolete. Need I remind you, Will, that you don't have to do your homework in the province of Nova Scotia anymore. Or at least, rather, uh, teachers cannot mark you on how well your homework is done. That's right. One of Lucas Mancini's uh, hot tips for life. Pro, mm-hmm, hot, pro, mm-hmm. hot pro strats. Uh, yes. So Binky uses the Star Trek uh, replicator to make nachos. Hard on the cheddar, easy on the salsa. I can respect that. And then uh, he there's like 4,000 channels of stuff he could be watching. But instead, he warps himself to a wrestling match. That's right. Okay, so this wrestling match, uh, we there's a guy with two heads, which I don't necessarily think is that much of an advantage in a fight, uh, per se. Uh, but then there's another gentleman with multiple arms, uh, Goro style. The multitasker. Uh, Yes, the multitasker, and I love the multitasker because he's um, trying to not spill a cup of coffee and taking a business call uh, during – that's what he's using (laughs) his extra arms for. Not to assist him in the fight, but to uh, sort of conduct his daily activities while this is going on. Also, one of the heads of the uh, two-headed guy kind of looks like Brock Lesnar a little bit. Yeah, I see that, the short blonde hair. Yeah, so it's Hydrazor, I think, versus the multitasker, and Binky's able to warp himself into the stands. Excellent. Got to say, I'm a mark for the multitasker. Big fan. (laughs) Uh, I think I'm more... uh, Yeah, yeah, No, actually, no, I agree. I think multitasker's... uh, uh, I think multitasker could be a real good mid-card champion. Maybe they'll pour that coffee on them, like that one Eddie Guerrero bit. I forget who got coffee poured on them. I think it was Eddie, Eddie Guerrero Eddie, got coffee, Eddie got poured, coffee on poured on him by Bischoff. By Eric Bischoff, that's right. So you could take that Eric Bischoff and you can stick it up your you-know-what. <laughs> well, you know, they're always saying about the multitasker, he's a real good hand. Oh, <laughs> you're stuck with me. <laughs> uh, so anyway, a very fun vision of the future. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, so we get to the part, uh, well, we should say, um, the World of Tomorrow exhibit doesn't open until the next week, which is uh, really unfortunate. And Binky's very disappointed because that's the only thing that's been different so far. 
and he does not look forward to sleeping in a sleeping bag on the hard museum floor. Uh, but everybody's getting ready to go to sleep. Muffy is... By the way, I gotta say, um, you know, as someone who's been on many field trips before, I feel like, I don't know if that's just not a thing around here, but the, the sleepover field trip, I feel like this is like an American media thing where people are either like having sleepovers at the school or or sleepovers on field trips. I can't say I've really ever experienced this. What about you, Will? Not really. Not that I not that I recall at least. I think it was a lot of day trips. I, I feel like um organizing a field trip that has a sleepover element to it is kind of a logistical nightmare. Or at least it seems like it would be. I don't know. I I I really don't think I've been on one though because I it was a I was mainly a sleepover with friends kind of person. I never really did that anywhere else that I can remember. Uh, I love this. So, like, Muffy is brushing her hair, like, it has to be, like, a hundred times or something like that. And then Buster and Arthur are on their sleep in their sleeping bags next to each other. And, like, the biggest nerds in the world, they're just, like, on their bionic bunny walkie-talkies going, like, it's like, do you read me, Agent Baxter? Loud and clear, Agent Reed. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the cutest thing ever. It would also be very annoying if you're trying to get to sleep. A hundred percent. Like, they're mm-hmm. the biggest. That's what makes it a dear. They're, yeah. they're the biggest dorks in the world. And, like, <laughs> it's just really funny. Um, so Binky has the idea that he's going to go and check out the world of tomorrow once everybody's asleep. And he has a moment. He has a moment here. By the way, Ratburn uh, has a sleeping cap that he wears, which great touch. Uh, Binky has a moment where he's like yelling at all the kids to go to sleep. Uh, I, I liked it. Like after they turn out the lights and they're like, okay, it's uh, class is bedtime. And Buster kind of makes like a ghost noise. So it's like, they're not calming down. You know, it, in those kinds of situations, it's like the lights go out and then everybody's like, woo, or, you know, talking before they're able to go to bed. And then Binky just stands up and yells, just go to sleep. <laughs> Which reminded me of all the times that I was at, uh, uh, church youth events and trying to get young kids to go to sleep because we have we have to wake up in six hours and it's going to be a 12-hour day, so shut up and go to bed. It's not easy, and it, I don't have fond memories of that. <laughs> the hardest part of church youth events. Uh, Binky sneaks out successfully and goes over to the World Tomorrow exhibit, and he finds himself in a kind of like a... Uh, Mars lander kind of thing, like a lunar lander. Yeah, it's it 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 almost looks like like Homer Simpson's like office. A little bit, like yeah. Power plant, yeah. Yeah, I see what from the inside at least. I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, and Binky ends up accidentally locking himself in it, and and tries to free himself, and then eventually just decides to go to sleep in the chair that is somehow even harder than the museum floor. Which I can respect that when you're when you're in trouble, you got to conserve your energy. So might as well uh, get some shut eye. And this is where the episode really kicked. Like it, it's this episode's like an edible, and then it like kicks in halfway through, <laughs> and then and then you you know once once it it's like you know this episode isn't doing all that much for me. And then like we get to thruster, which is uh, this is all Binky's dream as he's asleep in the. In the Lunar Lander, he wakes up and sees Buster in these weird, like, silver pajama-looking yeah, outfit. He, he's like the kid from uh, A Christmas Story. Yeah. 
He's covered, like, all of his body is covered except for, like, a little thing with his face. And Binky even asks him, like, he's like, Buster, what are you doing wearing those weird pajamas? And he says, of course, my who's Buster? My name is Thruster. And this is my genetically altered skin. <laughs> what does that mean? I wonder if he breathes through his skin like quiet from Ooh. Metal Gear Solid Five. Mm. You will be ashamed, Will, of your words and deeds. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about that. I love I, I, I love that quote so much. Uh, now, now, Will, uh, when does Engelbert Humperdinck uh, join this? Like, when does that come into play? So he, Binky says, uh, like, you know, he says, my name is Thruster. And Binky says, yeah, and my name is Engelbert Humperdinck. And Thruster takes that seriously of like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, Engelbert. Not since Aloysius Zimmerplots. Yeah. Um, I wonder if, like, Engelbert Humperdinck sounds like it might be like a uh, like a reference to something. Oh, surely it can't be. It must be, let's see, Angle. It's like Engelbert Humperdinck was a Engelbert character Hump- Sky Captains the World Engelbert Humperdinck is an English pop singer. No, that's real? Yeah, what? yeah. So he was a pop singer, uh, topped the UK music charts in the 60s. He, oh, my God. Whoa, oh, my God. I, what was his big song? His sing- Release Me. And The Last Waltz. In North America, he had chart successes with After the Lovin' and This Moment in Time. Not familiar, uh, personally. After After the Lovin'. I'm just going to – Will, it's going to be bugging me whole podcast if I don't if I don't play myself a few bars from After the Lovin'. Okay. I got to know. All right. I got, I got a, my man, Engelbert deserves it. Angle, Bert Humbert. So they, they must've just picked him. Cause it's like, it's, it's a funny, it's an inherently, it's funny a funny name. name. Yeah. Like today it would be like Benedict Cumberbatch or something. Yes. Uh, oh my God. That would be so great. If Binky was like, yeah, and I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> <laughs> they probably would do that today. That's, that's a good point. All right. Let's, let's hear some after the loving. Let's, Hmm. Ooh. Okay. Okay, this kind of goes well. Oh, yeah, this is good stuff. The song I just wrote yesterday. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. This is After the Love of Engelbert. He's, he's got bops. He's got hitters. All right, interesting. Uh, I'll have to look that up uh, after this episode. Uh, yeah, so Engelbert Humperdinck is the name that he takes, and we get a little bit of a peek into the future. We don't see too much of it, but uh, Bink- Binky and Thruster go to where... Um, Basically, all where all the kids are staying. But along the way, Binky finds out that he has been in that lander for 200 years because the date is March 10th, 2203. This is even after Cyberpunk. Yeah. And, uh, he's, and we get the joke here of, it's 200 years in the future. Oh, no wonder I feel so refreshed. <laughs> uh, so they, they run to where the, where the kids, the future kids are, and well, so so uh, mm-hmm. uh, Thruster explains they're not even kids uh, because I think Binky calls him a kid at some point. And he says, no, I am an immature artificial life form, a.k.a. I, Alf. Now, that is a that is a real creative flex there. It's like <laughs> you you have to think really outside the box for that. It's not like, you know, it's like. If you if you just wanted to think of something like a placeholder, just like what's a kid? I'm a star kid, or like I'm a space boy. But no, it's an eye alf, which is really out there. I gotta say. Or, I mean, I I think you're uh, 
I think you're probably right that they were just being very creative, or they were referencing the uh, classic 1980s sitcom Alf. Yeah, well, I, I I can't definitively say that you're wrong, but could somebody get me a cat? <laughs> That's not a bad Alf, actually. <laughs> I, I was really, I was like, do I remember what Alf sounds like? <laughs> you went into that impression like, do I have an Alf? Guess we'll find out. <laughs> Not bad. I appreciate your courage. Um, and we see here that the every all the all the eye Alfs are in these like glass cases, and uh, Thruster says that this is where they go and get their batteries charged together. So they're like not quite human slash animal anymore they're like like part android or robot sort of it's never really explained and probably for the better but but they're still doing the same field trip right yeah. like they're they're recharging the batteries similarly to how the kids would have a sleepover yeah and then uh, binky is really freaked out by this and accidentally ends up waking up mr rocket burn again this is what i was talking about earlier about the uh the puns in this episode, like once we get in all this future stuff, they just can't help themselves. You could tell you sometimes you could just tell that the writers are having a, a lot of fun. Like the delivery of Mr. Rocketbird. I can't help but picture everybody involved just smiling from ear to ear. Well, and and I wonder in in the kind of reality of this episode. So we get like. All of these people have like space theme names. Was it like a thing where we all move, we all colonize on another on another planet, and there was like a space Ellis Island where they like changed your name to something? Like if if Lucas, if you went to the moon and they had you change your name to like uh, Lucas Mooncini. <laughs> See, I I get to sort of uh, flex my the pun part of my brain whenever it's Halloween time, right? Bookus and Spookus and the like. But I never really get to think of the space puns. That was pretty good. And you would be, uh, uh, w- w- hmm, uh, w- yeah, it's yeah, it's not so easy. Will will will. There's Willenium, Willenium, Young. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I mean, they changed first names and last names. So, Lucas Mooncini and Willenium Young, uh, it, it, it's all equally valid. It's just kind of funny thinking about how these names came to be from their ancestors, I guess. Uh, so they try and get away from Mr. Rocketburn first in a, uh, a life-size version of the solar car, but it doesn't work. So they go back into a time travel exhibit, which kind of works the same way that it would in, like, an educational computer game, where, like, you can go anywhere you want in time. You just have to answer a question about science. Yeah, it's like Mario is missing. Yeah. Or, uh, I, uh, well, yeah, yeah, Mario is missing. <laughs> Remember remember those instructions. <laughs> I hope they have spaghetti. <laughs> Only you, dear pesky plumbers, I dare you to find them. Signed Bowser. Jeez, I didn't know you I've watched, had memorized so many clips from Mario is Missing. I, well. I've watched too many YouTube poops not to. Yeah, Koopa Koopa football players. <laughs> the, I won. That's Mama Luigi to you, Mario. 
<laughs> I'm so hungry. I could eat a whole Octorok. My boy. My boy. <laughs> my ship. Squadala. My ship sails in the morning. I wonder what's for dinner. <laughs> dinner. Um. So they, Binky, they, uh, and they get the question printed out on paper, which is like, they still print stuff on paper 200 years from now? Okay. Uh, and Binky's not able to answer the question, which relates to the giant magnet. He doesn't know what it is that pulls, uh, the washer towards the giant magnet. And, uh, uh, we get a little bit of, uh, intimidating Mr. Rocket Burn here as he shuts him down for good. But then Binky is woken up by actual Buster, who finds him in the Lunar Lander. And Binky confuses him for Thruster at first and says that it's like, I had this, it's like you were... Like you were some, you were in the future, and Mr. Ratburn was a robot. Is like Mr. Ratburn was is a robot. I knew it. <laughs> uh, so at the end of this episode here, we get the the next morning, and Binky is taking a little bit of extra time to learn about the science behind the giant magnet, and finds it was the atoms that attract the washer to the magnet. And Mr. Ratburn asks if he feels that he got anything more out of it the second time around. Um, and Binky agrees that he, gosh, I should have written down the final line because like Binky like alludes to the dream that he had. And then Mr. Ratburn gives a great like, huh? Face. (laughs) I will also say I miss, I miss this quote when he was relating his dream to Buster. He said, I was going to be locked in that exhibit forever because I didn't know how magnets work. And outside of context, that's very good. Well, I wrote down it's, it's, you know, Binky. Uh, sounds like he's been listening to some ICP. You know what I mean? Magnets, how do they work? Oh, boy. I can't believe I didn't think of that, to be honest with you. I'm a little disappointed. Well, you see, Will, that's the difference between you and me is not a moment goes by where I'm not <laughs> thinking about Violent J and Shaggy 2 Dope. Uh, uh, there's there's no whoop that won't also be whooped. <laughs> exactly. I, I keep the Fago by my side because I uh, am running with the hatchet and am... A part of the family, my ninjas. Is it true that Fago is like kept flat? Is Fago like a Fago like a flattened soda? Or did I just hear misinformation about that? I'm about to find out. Well, I can't say we have any Fago distributors in. You know what? I I wish we had this conversation before I went to Chicago. I would have been on the hunt for Fago because it is Chicago is in the Midwest. Okay, there's a Reddit. A, for Fago, there's, there, there's a Reddit thread, oh. uh, and the the title is "I only like Fago if it's muddy." This is on, huh? this is on r slash drug stashes. <laughs> oh, brother! Uh, I've never seen a Fago in real life. You must not live anywhere near a ghetto corner store, Oklahoma. It's all over Michigan here, I think. Uh, Fago is delicious and the drink of choice if you add pills or syrup. Okay, I gotta stop reading this. Oh, uh, oh man. Uh, um, kids, please, uh, kids, drink Fago responsibly. Okay, there's a there's a Thrillist article that's called the eleven things you didn't know about Fago. All right, I'll, well, we'll stop. The, I wanna. I'll read. I'm gonna read one. Read one. We're gonna stop. We're gonna we're gonna stop. Once I read something that you've already known about Fago, okay? Like, if you could best this Thrillist article, I'll I'll stop. Uh Okay, Fago was founded in 1907, Will. It's very old. Uh, 
the, the first free soda flavors they offered was grape, fruit punch, and strawberry. Okay. Uh, it was the first. Uh, it, it invented the uh, twist off cap. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, uh, okay. This is this is not as interesting as I okay. thought it was going to be. Let's uh, let's let's move on from there. We uh, we go from this episode, the world of tomorrow, into a word from us kids. Again, we're really um, going retro with these word from us kids. I actually, I had a blast with this word from us kids. Were, were you, were, was it because of the fit checks? Uh, well, no, actually, because usually that is my favorite part of word from us kids. Usually my favorite part of words from us kids is actually pretty, like, it's the set dressing to the actual educational segment, right? It's not necessarily the activity the kids are doing. It's either the sort of non sequiturs the kids are spouting or their fashion. But in this case... I thought it was really interesting to see, one, you know, how closely some kids predicted the future. Yeah. And then, two, how way off base some other kids were. <laughs> so, for instance, the first girl we see is like, yeah, this is a smart house. And I was like, this kid predicted smart houses. Yeah, There's literally yeah. a thing called smart yeah, houses. Yeah, smart houses are real, right? To some degree. But not in, two th- not in 2004. Like, the best you had was the clapper. But, like... Smart houses are real, Will. That's like, and the the term is smart house. Yeah, I've heard that before. So someone get this girl on the phone, ask her the lotto numbers. That's what I'm saying. Um, there's another drawing where it's like what the president's uh, house will look like in the future. Okay, so this is the one that I was like, <laughs> uh, either this kid has you know been brainwashed by maybe the Freemasons or something, and there's all mm-hmm. kinds of secret imagery to be seen in this photo or it's just kind of like oh this is isn't it quaint how children's imaginations work yeah because she draws a a moon she replaces the presidential insignia uh with uh the moon and the sun and it's to represent peace and there's some guys out on the front lawn of the white house and they've got like pitchforks in their hands or something Okay, I feel like we need to take another look at this image and maybe get, you know, the conspiracy part of the internet, you know, 4chan.com slash X, uh, looking into the paranormal to take a closer look at what kind of hidden sort of globalist New World Order meeting this image has, because there's definitely something suspicious about it. Uh, The other thing that I took note of is that there's a kid who talks about going on a merry-go-round that will either make you one year older if you go forward or one year younger if you go backward. That is literally the plot to Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. It's also a, a Twilight Zone episode. Okay, so maybe this isn't the most original idea in the world. Uh, but I think this kid has no. been uh, doing some reading and doing some lifting I, as well, if you feel me. I like uh, his example is that the way he kind of explains how this works is like, so let's say you're a one-year-old and you want to drive a car like your older brother. You would go on the merry-go-round uh, 16 times or 15 times. Yeah, exactly. And I, there's been a, there's a couple of places I can think of where uh, we can where we've seen this. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, the, yeah, the the kids again, not just the writers of this episode, but the kids are thinking outside the box as well, and maybe hitting more than you think they would be. And before we get to the second half of this Arthur episode, let's hear for a word uh, from us. 
Hi there, Elwood City Limits listener. Just a quick note here from your buddy, your pal, Will Young, that this show is supported by all of you listeners just like you by the following ways. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter at ECL Podcast. Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Instagram at Elwood City Limits. Drop us a line on social media. We'd love to hear from you and give us a like, a heart, whatever it is. Email ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. You can get your email read here on the air. Just send it to us and uh, let us know what you think of the episode, of the show, of anything in particular that we might have talked about or that's on your mind. And you can find the podcast by going to ElwoodCityLimits.Libsyn.com and you can find it at your local podcast provider. Now, if the show is not on a service that you use all the time and you'd like to change that, make sure to drop us a line and we will get it on there as soon as possible. All right, let's get back to the episode now, already in progress. And And we're back. It's time to talk about Is There a Doctor in the House, which I had no memory of. The World of Tomorrow, I think I knew what it was before going into it. This one I didn't, and I kind of wish that I had, because Lucas, this cold open just gave me anxiety. (laughs) I was going to say, uh, th- there's a moment in this cold open that, as an adult, might be the most relatable moment in all of Arthur thus far. Okay, so, uh, yeah, what, what is it? Uh, well, it's at the very end of the cold open when the mom, uh, she spent this whole morning running around. She's try- sort of spitting all these plates, if you will, and, and that, you know, Kate's crying and spitting up stuff on the floor, pals like licking it up. The kids are Arthur's the kid, yelling. The kids are screaming. Yeah, Arthur's like yelling for where his shirt is. Uh I forget what's up with DW. I think she's just um, I think she's just like yelling or something. I don't know. And uh Arthur Arthur's mom is trying to just sort of make and enjoy this cup of tea while all this is happening. Uh, and eventually she gets to take a sip out of the cup of tea and then she's like, "Oh, I have to make my way out the door." And immediately dumps the rest in the sink and the amount of times that I've made myself a fresh cup of coffee in the morning before work only to take like two sips and then dump the rest in the sink is too many to count. That's that's de- it's depressing. And it's, I mean, it, I really should get a thermos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really? That, what a, what a waste. I'm sorry to hear that. And just to see mom. And she's also like kind of coughing here and there to show that she's not feeling well, but we don't get the, the other shoe dropping with this scenario until after the cold open. So it's just a peek for kids into the life of what being a mom is like. And it's horrifying. It's really, it, I mean, not horrifying, but it's really, it's, it's stressed. It stressed me out to watch this. And with the, the other shoe dropping, like I said, is that they're at dinner that night and it's just kind of, it's not especially like, I don't think it's unusual for the Reed house, but the way that mom is kind of taking everything in uh, makes it seem very um, heightened, I guess. Uh, Arthur and dad are having this conversation where uh, Arthur needed a shirt for his softball game, but mom forgot to wash it. So he, so she let him use one of dad's uh, shirts and they're having kind of this, not all this almost argument about Arthur using the shirt. And dad has the line where he says, it's a nice shirt, Arthur. It's Pima cotton. 
<laughs> what does that mean, by the way? I'm not familiar with Pima Cotton. I, I don't know, but it's just it's it's funny that he's trying to rationalize to Arthur of just like you shouldn't have used that shirt, Arthur. It's a very nice shirt. <laughs> he's just like Arthur. It's Pima Cotton. You don't don't you understand? Like I don't I don't know what it is either. I just thought it was funny. And then we actually get this. This reminded me of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to clown college and he keeps seeing the family as like clowns, except mom sees DW, Arthur and dad as like these three different types of clowns just existing to make noise and be annoying. And she kind of snaps at them. And it's Uh, very unusual. for her. This this section right here is, you know, all my memers out there. You know, right now, sort of calling people clowns and online clown culture is kind of in its moment right now. Uh, so if anybody's looking for sort of a resource for, uh, you know, the type of meme where it's like when you, you know, when you send a girl a text message and then you send her another message before she replies and then you could just put a gif of sort of our Arthur's mom seeing her whole family as clowns. You know what I mean? Calling people clowns. This is I. I uh, all the memers out there. This is this is your moment. It's uh, also will. Uh, Prima cotton is a higher end type of cotton with a longer fiber than conventional cotton. It has a reputation for producing a smooth fabric that's soft to the touch. I just love that he cares that much about Prima cotton. It's 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 just such a it's such a dad thing, of course. Um, and I do love the shot of everybody as clowns. They're all designed differently, and. It's not like in the Simpsons episode where everybody's like Krusty the Clown. It's like they are all like dad's in his clown outfit that he was in in like the first season. And mom just kind of snaps at everybody, which is really unusual. And she dad's clown outfit's really unsettling because it's like there's a whole fake head component. Yeah. Like with fake eyebrows that go over his eyebrows. It looks the most kind of costumey. And we mom kind of finds out she admits that she's not been feeling herself and they take her temperature, and she is sick. Um, so that she needs a couple of days of bed rest, which are, kind of worries Arthur and DW. Um, this makes me realize that when I was a kid, when I was like Arthur's age, I felt I always felt like my mom never got sick. And I fe- I think that watching this episode, it's just more likely that she wa- she did get sick, but she probably just powered through it, which makes me really. Uh, love my mom even more. Yeah, I um, unfortunately my mom did get sick, but uh, it was very similar to the. It, it was actually very similar to this. I feel like this episode's a pretty accurate portrayal of that kind of situation where we're all sort of trying to pull together to uh, fill those duties and kind of woefully failing. Yeah, and the uh, so mom has a night of rest and I think I wonder if th- does this happen immediately yeah so she's like she wakes up the next morning she's in her house coat she goes downstairs and kind of sees the normal again the normalcy of like everybody talking over everybody and having their own problems and uh dad as dad's like hey honey are you feeling any better and mom's just like no and leaves <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very it was great it was very honest she just nopes out of there so at this point mom you know admits that she needs more time to rest and dad has to go to a catering job so he basically has no choice but to leave them alone for a couple of hours Arthur DW and Kate and this is where DW starts to worry 
that, uh, you know, what if mom never gets better? There's, I, I remember I wrote down a line here where DW says it's already that time. And she points at the, she points at the clock as even though she doesn't know how to tell time, but I don't exactly remember the context of it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I sort of, uh, it's kind of interesting that you're having trouble putting the exact order of events in this episode together at this point, because I kind of found, uh, for some reason or another, the, the second half of this episode is pretty challenging in terms of I just lost interest fairly quickly. And I'm not exactly sure what that is, whether it was just sort of it's kind of just one joke this entire time, which is that th- the family is falling apart without Arthur's mom. Yeah, uh, it's so this so DW is worrying that, like, you know, without mom being around that, you know, things will continue to pile up and the messes will get bigger and bigger. And and as DW says, we'll be living in a pig stew, which I liked. Uh, so they decide, Arthur and DW, that they're going to try and pitch in a little bit. But of course, the joke being that they don't exactly know how to do everything. Uh, and we do get this montage of like DW trying to figure out how the laundry works, how to fold the laundry. Arthur accidentally like picks up a bunch of really large objects in the vacuum cleaner and it starts to smoke. And Pal buries one of dad's shirts out in the yard. And they also try to wash the dishes like this whole thing and like watching them try and do all these things and not understand how to do them. was giving me an anxiety attack. <laughs> it's all a little much. And they also have a thing here where like neither of them wants to change Kate. So they just kind of wait until they play rock, paper, scissors. And then she ends up falling asleep in her dirty diaper, which I felt so bad for her having to sleep in a crappy diaper. I will also Ugh, that that'll cause a rash. That's actually pretty unsafe. Yeah, uh, I will also mention that when Arthur's vacuuming, he's not really paying attention because he's watching what seems to be the Arthur version of the Americans, where it's like <laughs> he's watching. A, <laughs> That's funny. Well. He's he's watching the liver like I'm not actually this person. I'm this person. Oh well, I'm actually this person. I'm like okay. I I, I think it's supposed to be like a parody of like a daytime soaps. Yeah, like the real the really like. I don't know which soap opera this is where the guy comes back to life and he's got an eye patch on. Um, but I feel like that particular kind of trope gets parodied a lot. Uh, the sort of the really like over the top, like telenovela, like I was this person's twin brother. Yeah. Like, like that, like the real soapy twists along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're, you're, you're definitely right. Uh, dad comes back from his catering job and finds the house in the state that it is. It's like after Arthur and DW think they did everything right, they treat themselves to ice cream. And dad comes in and basically has to do everything over again or at all. And his, I got to say, his patience here is pretty, pretty epic. Like he sees the vacuum cleaner is busted. He sees the uh, the dishes are still dirty and the like the, the dishwasher's overflowing. He's like that's okay. I'll just do it from the beginning. And like, did you remember to scrape the dishes before you put them in there? Oh, that's okay. Like I'll, I'll just do it now. And, or I'll change Kate. And the only thing that breaks him is that earlier DW was trying to hang his, uh, pajamas on the, on like a, uh, a clo- What do you call it? What do you call that? Why am I, why am I look as a, cl- a clothesline? A clothesline? No, no, not a clothesline, like a peg. Uh, a, you know, like on the back of pin, a clothespin. No, like on the back of a door, 
like a coat hanger. Sure, sure, a hanger. Yes, DW was trying to hang his pajamas on a hanger, but couldn't get it to stay up there. So he, she just cut a hole in his pajamas and put it up there. It's like a, a famous Fortnite streamer uh, myth uh, went viral. I think either last week or the week before, uh, when he sort of outed himself as not knowing how to put up a shower curtain. Apparently he didn't understand that you need to buy like rings yeah. for the shower curtain. And he was simply cutting holes in the curtain and shoving the pole. Oh no. Uh, and so people were kind of cooking him again. This would be a great time to use that picture of Arthur's family as clowns. Um, oh because that was kind of this, that sort of logic applied to the, the only difference being that DW is like what four? Yeah, uh, yeah, and mythic myth is a uh, a fully grown man. No, oh, brother. Um, I mean, we'll get into what I did and did and didn't know how to do when I was in my twenties. So it's not like I can talk. But um, that night, uh, DW comes to sleep with Arthur because it's a uh, thunderstorm outside. There's a brief image here where like Arthur opens his eyes and sees like like a devil, like the devil in the hallway, but it's actually the horns from DW's Mary Moo Cow doll which I thought was a funny sight gag. And we and we get this dream here where I think it might be a sh- it's I, I think it's DW's dream it might be a shared dream where it's like if mom and dad never get better because at the end of the catering job uh dad started to sneeze and it's implied that he is also getting sick as well. So in the in this dream it's so grim. Arthur gets fired from another catering job because he only knows how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> dw has to be the accountant which mom is and it's, and it's just like i got fired from another catering job it just dw is just like oh yeah it's like you know how hard it is to be an accountant when you can't count past 10 and yeah she's she's having trouble doing the uh the math of six plus six um and you know she we kind of see on her piece of paper it's like six plus six and then a bunch of numbers crossed out. I love the detail of Arthur's like got like a tux on or like a full yeah. three piece suit. Yeah, he looks sort of he looks like one of the one of the cast members from Party Down. Yeah, yeah, and his uh, the bow tie is sort of un undone and disheveled that he's as he's trying to wrestle with not being able to be a caterer. And we get th- this is the best delivery from DW's voice actor yet. It's it's so like. I, I, when I say flat, I don't mean that as an insult. It's just like so matter of fact. It just, by the way, I sent Kate to the orphanage, and then <laughs> it's just like what? And she's just like, we couldn't take care of her, Arthur. She deserves to be in a home that can take care of her. And then that, uh, she, I think she says specifically a home that can change her diaper, <laughs> Di- change her diaper. And then they both just break down crying because they can't be adults. It's well, so I, grim. It, it's even darker than that because I think before that they're just like, well, at least it's one less mouth to feed. Yeah, like they, yeah, yeah. Arthur admits that it's one less mouth to feed. Oh my god! Like we we talked during the mailbag about like not getting too dark on a kids show, but like this is dark, dude. And this is what spurs them on the next day to uh, try doing the household chores, but a little bit better this time, which is a little, which is kind of satisfying to watch. They both, like Kate starts crying, so they both agree to change her at the same time, uh, and that goes pretty successfully. They wash the dishes by hand this time. Instead of trying to use the dishwasher, they take out the garbage. They feed Kate. Kate has this thing where she keeps knocking her bowl off of her chair. They really got to invest in one of those high chairs with the built-in... Uh, dishes. 
Oh, that's what good my point. That's what my niece had when she was little, and that's a way to keep them from knocking it off of their of their high chair. Uh, but of course, they clean up that mess. And uh, good on them for, they also do the laundry. Uh, ashamedly, I didn't learn how to do my laundry until I was in my 20s and I moved out of the house. Oh, laundry is one of my, I think I've said this on the pod before, but laundry is one of my favorite chores. In fact, I think doing my laundry is my favorite chore um, behind unloading the dishwasher. Mm. Um, I would probably say, I agree with unloading the dishwasher. That just feels. Yeah, you throw a podcast on, it's all clean, you don't have to touch any gross food. Yeah, it feels really good to do that. Um, I would also probably say uh, cleaning the toilet, I think, is an underrated one just because it's pretty easy to do. Yeah, it, it's nowhere near as bad if people make it out to be. No, that's for no. sure. And it, it, it's really easy to do, and it looks and it looks oh. nice and sparkling clean when oh you're God. done. Um, I'll also say sleep, in the same vein as unloading the dishwasher, uh, sweeping the floor is not all that bad, especially if you live right. in a in a small... Uh, apartment like I do. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to think about like favorite chores because of course they're they're chores. You're not exactly supposed to love them, but there is there is a satisfaction that you can get out of doing certain ones. Hey, I painted a fence yesterday and I was feeling like Huckleberry Finn. I was like this is not so bad. I was going to say did Tom Sawyer pay you to do it? <laughs> or I guess Tom Yeah, I guess well I don't think I really know the difference about what happens in Tom Sawyer and what happens in Huckleberry Finn. Uh, I know they're both in the same cinematic universe, if you will. <laughs> yeah, when are we getting those movies, by the way? The Tom uh, Sawyer, Huck Finn cinematic universe. I feel like there's some stuff in those books that... Great point. You know what? Uh, there's point. a character or two that I would be remiss. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I guess there's a reason why that one of those books Which one showed up to their own funeral? Is that also Tom Sawyer? That's Tom Sawyer. And there, what the hell happens at Huckleberry Finn then? I, think, I thought he was the fence guy. No, Tom Sawyer's the fence guy. Huck, does does uh, Huckleberry Finn go down the river? Huck goes down the river. I've never oh. read Huckleberry Finn. I read the uh, illustrated classics version of Tom Sawyer. And I saw the Jonathan Taylor Thomas Brad Renfro movie Tom and Huck from the 1990s, which was mostly how, Tom how Sawyer. Was that, how was that? Um, I don't. I remember I really wanted to see it because it was on. It was it was a trailer before all of my Disney movies. Um, I I don't know. That might be worth tracking down one of these days. Kind of a 1990s curio. Uh, so Grandma Thor comes over, and so she's gonna help her initially to help everything, you know, clean up everything. But she notices that Arthur and DW already did all of that, and reports it to Mom and Dad. Uh, and they're everybody's pretty happy. It's just kind of wraps itself up pretty nicely. There's a bit at the end here where Arthur and DW are both like really tired from doing all these chores. Arthur says, it's not even noon and I'm already wiped out. And I was like, same. And then Arthur, Arthur sneezes and DW says, here we go again. And that's the end of the episode. It's uh, yeah, you'll excuse us if we're a little bit confused here and there. There's, there's a lot of the, the the structure to this one is a little bit looser than we're used to. I've literally three notes for this episode. Really? And the notes are as follows. Uh, the tea in the sink is too relatable. Uh, that clown picture sure is funny. And I sent Kate to the orphanage. <laughs> 
I think those are some of the most notable things of this episode. But let's talk about our feelings about that in just a sec here. Let's rewind it back. Ooh, let's go back in time to the world of tomorrow. Lucas, Whoa. what did you think of this Minky episode? I Great episode. The world of tomorrow is a lot of fun. Uh, I liked how we're finally tackling the fact that Binky is repeating the third grade and sort of the anxieties around that. Um, and I thought it was just like kind of a funny situation of like they're going to the science museum and everyone's ooing and eyeing and Binky sort of has this like I've seen it all before attitude and is sighing. I think that's a funny contrast. Um, evil George. Uh, all the, you know, Arthur, whenever the writers are allowed to sort of get creative with their idea of the future, both when they present Binky's idea of the future and then they uh, sort of show Binky's like nightmare idea of the future with um, when he's Engelbert Humperdinck. Uh, all that stuff is super fun. It's just a really entertaining episode. I liked it too. I'm not sure if I'm as strong as you are, but I, I this is where they really get to go a little bit create a little bit more creative than we're used to seeing. The whole part with Binky's dream and the future and the eye alphs and everything. I was like, this is like kind of inspired in a way. That's not something that's not a concept you've really seen. Like the genetically altered skin. Like, how did they think of that? That was really interesting. I think the the middle part of this episode really pulls it together for me. That and the fact that it is Binky. Um the kind of structure to it is not not the greatest thing in the world, but I think the creative ideas make it memorable in the end. So uh, I'd say I'd say it's a thumbs up from me. I'm not as strong in it as you are, but I did have fun with uh, the kind of more out there parts. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit hard to talk about. Is there a doctor in the house? I think because I feel like a big problem with this episode was highlighted in trying to talk about it. Like the structure of it is very loose, and I want to say that I did enjoy it. Because I like the idea. I had a note here where I said, you know, the the fear of your parents not being around, I think, is something that a lot of kids go through. And I think it's interesting to explore that. And there is something satisfying about the way that Arthur and DW initially try to tackle the problems. They fail and then they try again and it's better. Like I, But it, it doesn't make for a super compelling episode either. No, I, I think it's, I, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. And I think, like I said off the top, that, you know, a lot of moments in this episode are very relatable. And I think it gives kids an appreciation for how much work their parents do. But I also think that this episode is kind of an episode where you could tell that they were like, okay, we're going to have, we have like these three kind of big pieces in the episode. And that's, you know, Arthur's mom gets sick and she sort of can't do her normal duties. Um, Arthur and, and DW sort of try and fail to do her duties and sort of get an appreciation for how much their mom does. And then of course, I'm sure that this episode in the early stages of putting it together, that dream sequence was like, okay, we need to have this in here as well. Um, but the, everything sort of in between those beats is kind of redundant. It, there's just not a lot to sink your teeth into. It's kind of light in between that and that there's a lot of Arthur and DW sort of misunderstanding how to uh, do the household chores. So much so that, like I said earlier, kind of checked out and kind of lost my attention because it gets a little bit repetitive. And it also is like 
another one of those episodes where, of course, it's a kid's show and all that stuff, but you can kind of see where it's going. Uh, uh, it, it gets a little predictable. Um, though, again, not without its highlights, that dream sequence is fantastically dark yeah. and memorable as such, uh, as well as a, one, of the, one of the more uh, unique openers as well. But uh, everything else in the episode I just kind of found, it's not necessarily a bad episode, um, I think it's pretty successful in the moral it's trying to tell, but I think it's also done a disservice at being within this season seven of strange delights, if you will. Um, so I, I think we're sort of used to a different standard of episode with this season, so I might be a little bit more harsh on this episode than I was with if it had been in previous seasons. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, it's hard to kind of communicate effectively, at least for me, why this doesn't come together all the way. But I think you did a pretty good job of it there. I'll just I'll just add that I I I, I like I think the parts of this episode come together better than the whole, if that makes sense. Like, it's not the most memorable episode or the best or anything, but there are parts of it that I that I really like and. I, I, I guess I guess that kind of speaks for something, if that makes any sense at all. Well, Lucas, I don't know if you know this, but we're just a couple of episodes away from the end of our beloved Season 7. That'll be a fun one to sort of determine the best of. Well, it's going to be... I, I, I think that it's going to really... There's a chance for it to really uh, hit a home run in the last couple of episodes because uh, we've got one big episode coming up for the end of the season... And next time here on Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about Prunella Sees the Light and an episode called Return of the Snowball. Oh, whoa. What? I don't, I don't think I don't think I know what this is. I Will, do you know this? No, I don't remember this. Oh, my goodness. Well, hype for next episode, I suppose. Big time, dude. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just uh, two more episodes to go until we're done with season seven. And uh, it's and then we'll kind of get to assess it as as a whole here. Well, Lucas, I'm glad to have you back from uh, Chicago. It's going to be a little bit of a busy summer, I think, all round. And uh, good to have you back here on the pod once again. That's right, busy, and you know we you probably heard the message at the top of the episode, but it is sort of our version of sweeps week in that we're uh, sort of uh, putting our best foot forward and trying to. Hype the podcast up for the Best of Halifax Awards. So a busy summer in uh, sort of many senses. That's right. So, yeah, everybody, uh, we hope that you have a great time ahead of you, and we hope to get back to you as soon as we can. And, of course, if you don't want to miss out on a, on a week of Elwood City Limits content, make sure to uh, join us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And uh, great to see some activity in our discord this week with our new members and hope that keeps going uh and that's going to do it for this week's episode my name is will young and for lucas mancini uh, that's the coat room doofus <laughs> we'll see you next time <laughs>